Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we put the spotlight onto one of our most popular live shows, Log Tech Live with Eric Johnson. And Eric was joined by Anthony Miller to talk about investor thesis, what they are, and why you need one. It was a really interesting episode, possibly a brand new topic to some of you. And so I hope you really enjoyed the show. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 320. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions. Stop building point-to-point solutions. If you are a retailer, manufacturer, logistics provider, or technology company, you can build a single integration to Orderful's API, and Orderful will validate translate and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners. Orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit Orderful, O-R-D-E-R-F-U-L.com and speak to an EDI expert today. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm excited to welcome a multi-award-winning supply chain leader to our own Woman in Supply Chain series. She's one of Supply and Demand Chain Executives Women in Supply Chain for 2022, a 2022 Pro to Know, and an SAP Diversity and Inclusion Award winner. But who is she? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you ask for forgiveness or permission. 62% of you said forgiveness. 25% of you said permission. Ellen said input. Uh, Melissa said, I think 70% answering forgiveness highlights more about our current society and culture than anything else. Rolf says, ideas that are innovative, creative, counterintuitive, provocative, sometimes controversial. It just makes life a little bit more enjoyable. Justin says, I choose permission because it encourages healthy conversations and builds relationships between individuals. Michael Thaw, listen, learn, and try to understand. Sophia, ask for information and share information. That simple. Lily says, explain the current situation and come with ideas for a course of action. Monica, this is where discernment should go into effect when determining one's actions. If those are the only two options, then it could be either. But just have the cojones to back up your action should you need to ask for forgiveness. Mark, everybody should read Turn the Ship Around. Then the answer is neither. You simply inform your superior of what you intend to do, then give them an opportunity to weigh in. Samantha says it's both for me. There are certain decisions that need permissions, but some decisions require a step of faith. And if something goes wrong, then yes, ask for forgiveness.
Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. Come back every single Wednesday morning on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page where we are asking a question of our community and we spark really great conversations. Now back to today's podcast and the inspirational woman in supply chain I have with me today is Darcy McLaren. Darcy is a strategic global leader who has spent 30 years growing, differentiating, and improving businesses through technology transformation with a focus on supply chain. She has held various leadership roles at SAP over the last 10 years and currently serves as the Senior Vice President of Digital Supply Chain and Industry 4.0 for SAP North America. Darcy is passionate about collaboration and committed to guiding organizations in their digital transformation journey through innovative technology and next-generation business processes. Today, Darcy will be talking to us about her career so far, the role of sponsors as well as mentors, building a support network for women, and putting a focus on helping companies build resilient, agile, and sustainable supply chains. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. Now, we could not have this series, this Women in Supply Chain series, without our sponsors. And this feature was sponsored by SAP. Women fuel the success of some of the world's most successful businesses, yet barriers still exist. SAP is committed to supporting and elevating a new generation of women to profoundly lead and impact global supply chains and are proud to support the Women in Supply Chain series and its efforts. Supply chains need to evolve from low cost and optimized to risk resilient and sustainable, and SAP can help. SAP Digital Supply Chain Solutions connect the entire process, design, planning, manufacturing, logistics, maintenance, and service, connecting your supply chains to the rest of your business and all your contextual data, supporting your efforts in alleviating risk in your supply chains. SAP is the market leader in enterprise application software and for the last 50 years has been helping companies to run better. Find out more at sap.com backslash SCM. So welcome to the show, Darcy. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. I'm excited to be speaking with you today. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, you are a real powerhouser. You've had an incredible career so far. You've won awards. You founded the Woman in Supply Chain Network. You really are an inspiration to many. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better and just learning more about what your journey has looked like. So let's not let make everybody wait any longer. Let's dive right in and really start at the beginning. What was your dream as a young person? What did you want to do as a job? And what did the early years of your career look like? Ah, interesting. So when you're when you're young, you're relatively clueless. And I would have discussions with my friends. Do you want to be rich? Do you want to be famous? Do you want to be powerful? I always chose powerful because I thought the other two will come if, if mm. I'm powerful. For right from the, a young age, I knew I wanted to be successful. I knew I wanted to be powerful. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I obviously, you know, by choosing a liberal arts college, which I did, kind of gives you an indication, you know, you're there to yeah. learn um, and figure it out, which I did. And it was through that, I majored in, in economics, that I then began to narrow down I, I wanted, and you're going to love this, Sarah. When I described to our guidance counselor what I wanted to do, I said, well, I'm really good with people. 
I like to travel and I wasn't very articulate. And they said, well, I think you ought to be a flight attendant. <laughs> no profession, not what I had in mind, but it really made me think, okay, I wasn't explaining what I want to do, but I did evolve and was really got into, you know, Hewlett Packard picked me up early and then help evolved really what, what I wanted to do. And that was really, you know, trained me in technology, trained me in manufacturing, got my first insight into supply chain, paid for my MBA. And then I started to navigate from Hewlett Packard into software and then supply chain. So I started out really um, in a corporate entry program, you know, of a very top-notch company, that being Hewlett Packard. And that gave me the foundation of great leaders, great training to help to kind of set me on my way. Amazing. I love to hear that. And what a great perspective, you know, what is it that you want out of life, right? What is it you want your word to be? Everybody chooses a word on a yearly basis, but you were kind of choosing a word for your career and what you're, what you wanted your life to look like early on. And I love that because I think you've really stuck to it. Right. And you've really made a name for yourself in the industry. Now, you talk about discovering supply chain while at HP, um, but you also have that degree in economics. And I think it's a common educational background for some of the people I've interviewed that have ended up in the industry. And you obviously also have a natural talent for sales and management. So how did you really find your way into supply chain specifically? Like out of all of that, how did you know supply chain was kind of your bailiwick? I didn't know. In fact, supply chain has only really been defined as supply chain for maybe mm. like 20, 20 years. It found me in that in my MBA, I did operations research and, and, and was fascinated by it. Mm. I was working for a software company focused on manufacturing ERP that I was recruited to a small supply chain company um, for a higher level position. They wanted people with the basic skills that analytical problem solvers, can do attitude. Those are traits that you find in supply chain practitioners. And they recruited me and it was, it was the small niche company in a planning and scheduling arena. And that did optimization that got me entrenched and, and put me in with working with leaders in consumer products and life science and really understanding all about planning, scheduling, optimization, algorithms, um, learning how to build them, structure them, but most importantly, and became one of my strengths is my ability to explain complex subjects in an easy way to understand, which is very important when you're implementing um, supply chain uh, yes. algorithms and such, that it's not just a black box, that the folks that have, have to trust the number, because as I say, math doesn't lie. <laughs> the answer is right. Now, maybe the inputs we can talk about, the data has to be right, but math doesn't lie. My ability to explain that and what's going on became one of my strengths is kind of netting down what was going on. But that's where the decisions that, that you make and the impact that you can make in running the business as opposed to counting up you know, the dead after the battle, I love being a part of it. And the importance it was to companies is what really attracted me to, to supply chain early on. 
Yeah, I love that you talk about the impact because I feel like the impact of supply chain really has only reared its head over the last couple of years, right? Where, you know, everybody that you speak to can now understand the impact of what we do as supply chain professionals. And so for you to really understand that early on in your career um, is great. And I think it goes to show for supply chain professionals in general, you know, that's how we think about it. That's how we've thought about it this whole time. But now the public is actually seeing it. That's right. It used to be I was at a cocktail party and people asked me what might do. My husband would say, just net it out, Darth. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares that you do all the planning and the scheduling for everything oh. in the grocery store. Nobody cares how it got there, how it was made, right? How it was delivered. But now people would be coming to me to say, isn't that that field you're in? And, you know, why can't we get this or that? It's very, it's, it's totally changed. And I love the visibility that not only is that the C-suite, you know, because of things of COVID, it brought it to heads of state. So now heads of state are talking about, you know, country supply chain risks. CEOs are concerned. So it's very good for the industry and a great industry to get into because of the visibility now. Great opportunities. Absolutely. And so now let's talk about how you found your voice, because I think in those early years that we've covered so far, that is kind of where you found that voice, which is quite unusual for women, I think. And that was also when you really came to understand the magnitude of supply chain, which we just talked about. So talk us through finding your voice and how the impact you were making in supply chain helped you with that. Oh, it's, it's, it's such a great question, Sarah, because in talking to, you know, and I'm later stage career, so I do a lot of mentoring for folks entering the field. And I always let them know, you know more than you think you know. Yes. You, you know a lot. You just don't have the confidence and know. For me, it was when I was put on a project to do um, plant rationalization, to decide for a company that had a made in U.S. brand, how much they should be actually making um in country, near shore, you know, Ooh. far shore. And the results came back and I was pretty early on. And, and the results basically were saying, shut down all those owned and operated plants in the US because that's financially the most cost-effective thing to do. And you're costing yourselves X dollars per item you manufacture every time you need to do it here. And the numbers were all agreed to and the, and the inputs were all agreed to. So again, the, the answer was the answer. But what really struck me was the implications of that decision on people. We're talking about people's lives yeah. right? um, and the impact to the company. Now, ultimately, you don't do what the answer is, but at least then you have the numbers to decide maybe we need to rethink this strategy. Maybe we shouldn't be you know, totally dependent on the U.S. Maybe we need a better mix. But to me, it was just so eye-opening of the use of technology and the impact it has on companies and on people's lives told me that you have a power here. Let's use it wisely. Let's help people use it wisely when making those decisions. And that was pretty, pretty early on um, that I had that on the magnitude of the decisions that are being made by this technology. I love that. I mean, the impact that you have not only on a business, but on people's lives really drove you to have a voice, right? Because that your voice was the one that was going to help drive those decisions and learning that early on. And I want to, you know, put this out there for the audience, especially the young professionals who are listening right now. Think about 
the impact of not having a voice versus having a voice and what we're talking about today and how you can make a difference by just speaking up. So key. So key. I was talking to another executive before that said she made some pretty bold moves. Mm-hmm. And I said, how did you have the confidence to mm-hmm. go against the wave? And she said very confidently, because I knew I was right, because I had done my homework, mm-hmm. because I did have the facts. So I I didn't have to be concerned about going what was the the norm because I knew I had all the right information and that is all the confidence I needed to take what would have been considered a bold move. And I just love that philosophy. Just love it. Yeah. Yeah. And just doing it, the more you do it, the better you will get at it. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we really do ourselves and the industry, the business, the people that we're serving a disservice if we don't at least just try. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be right necessarily a hundred percent of the time, but it's also the respect that comes with the fact that you've owned that you've, uh, walked in your power. You've set, you've spoken your truth and it's going to get easier as you, as you keep doing it. So then you came to SAP, right? Where you really, you have really excelled. Talk to us about the 11 years and how the industry has changed over that time, how you've changed and what you've learned along the way about, you know, from being at SAP. Well, what's interesting is I spent a career really complimenting SAP solutions. I don't say okay. complimenting. So my career, you can see, evolves from areas that SAP as a the largest ERP vendor in the world didn't have solutions. They didn't have good planning and scheduling. They didn't have good transportation. They didn't have good product life cycle management. They didn't have. In my career, I went to these you know phenomenal boutique vendors that had highly specialized, very innovative solutions. And then fast forward 11 years, and they all ended up at places. They ended up at SAP in for Oracle because my, my expertise was building and scaling uh, niche supply chain companies and then having mm-hmm. sort of a liquidity event. And then I was approached by, by SAP 11 years ago to join them. And at that point, they brought me in. They brought me in to head up their consumer um, industry practice in the East Market Unit, which is heavy manufacturing and a lot of things that I was doing, plus ERP-centric. And the reason I joined SAP is, is very specific. When you work at a smaller niche company, many times you look around the room and you're the most experienced person in the room, mm-hmm. right? Because, And I wanted to learn from senior executives, best in the world, and really grow myself as a leader and get a broader scale, which is why I I chose to to join SAP. And it's been phenomenal. They've been so good to me. But it was four years in that I got tapped by by one of my sponsors, one of my favorite executives, John Graham, longtime SAP executive since left. And he goes, "Um, I understand you know a little bit about supply chain. (laughs) And I go, yeah, I do. He goes, well, you know more about, you've forgotten more about supply chain than, than I will ever know. And that's when they, they put me in the role of head of uh, North America supply chain, which I have to say, I, 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 just, I just love. It is just such a phenomenal role for me. It gets me to tie. I say I was, I've been planning my whole career to take this role. 
And then, of course, COVID hit and then helped explosive um, visibility into it. So, Sarah, I tell you, this is just the difference I feel my team is making and really working with companies to help transform um, is just very exciting to me. And it's, and it's been a great run. And SAP has great solutions and a great um, um, view on how to handle the supply chain. So it's, it's, been, it's just been a, a fantastic run so far. Well, and it makes a difference being passionate about it. I mean, I can just tell by speaking to you right now, your passion for supply chain, your passion for the in industry, your passion for the impact as we've been talking about. And I keep saying that word over and over and over again, because I think it's important for the audience to really hone in on that word. What is the impact that you're making on a daily basis? What's the impact that you're making to the company that you're working for? It makes a really big difference. And also having that passion for what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so currently, you're Senior VP of Digital Supply Chain and Manufacturing for North America, which is a huge role. So tell us about the role itself, but also about the increasing importance of digital and what you're seeing from your perspective. Because obviously, we've been talking about digital for years. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting because, you know, lots of different companies coming into the space, a lot of talk about digital transformation. I still feel like we have a long way to go. We, well, we do. So, so what the responsibility of my team is, is quite frankly, it's to work with our customers to help them transform their supply chain using the products and services that we have, as well as other products and services that they have in their environment. So that's what this is all about, is really listening and understanding what they're trying to do and then put these solutions on top of it. So it is a journey. What's, what's interesting, so we've talked a lot about digital transformation. I think the good news is it's finally really starting. Hmm. The idea is you don't transform overnight, but the thing that I tell everybody is you do have to have a plan and you have to start. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to start now on figuring out what you're doing and you have to change the tires of the car while you're driving because we all know supply chain people are overworked. <laughs> There's never going to be a good time to say, okay, now I'm going to, it's, it's, you've got to start it now, figure it out now. So what, what we're seeing is, is a couple of things that are important and you're hearing a lot of these terms. Um, we netted out what people really need is what we call a risk resilient supply chain. Mm. And we added that new term risk because risk has become a huge component that companies need to figure out. It's no longer about the cost, the most efficient. It's I've got to take that component of risk. And that risk is the disruption, whether it's geopolitical, environmental, whatever it is. We know we don't know what it is, but it's coming. And what that from our perspective means three things. It means you've got to look end to end. It's, it's a chain, right? And call it what you want from, you know, mother earth to point of consumption from farm to fork, or if you're in the paper towel industry from stump to rump, whatever it is, it's, it's a total chain, right? That's number one. Look at it holistically, which means people have to get out of their silos, right? Mm -hmm. They have to look across. And then the second thing is it has to have, um, the data has to be contextual, which means you can't just sit aside and, and figure this stuff out. You have to have it with the real-time data because things happen so much faster to the third point, which is you got to be connected to your ecosystem. That's another thing people realized in COVID. They were too internal or they were too interdepartmental. 
and right. digital connection. So to your earlier, it starts with getting digitally connected to everybody in your in your ecosystem. So you have the visibility to the people that need it. So those are the three things we think are really lead into the digital transformation, which is starting. Yeah, absolutely. And I love your analogies. <laughs> Changing the tires while while the car is still moving. I mean, if that is not an analogy for supply chain professionals at this particular moment, I don't know what is. Well, I have to tell you because I keep waiting for the the calm, and it's like there nope. is none. There is no calm. There, you may be able to breathe for a little bit, but it's whatever till whatever. I mean, who would have thought we'd have ships stuck in the Suez Canal and yeah. wars and da, 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 da. you know, it goes on and on and on. So you just have to figure this out now and do that while you're doing your, your day job and yeah. try to help, you know, we try to help to make sure that the implementation of these things are quicker, better, faster, that you can do them, that, you know, you want quick wins to see value, to keep things moving. That's really kind of the way we look at it. Well, and I think everybody is in a rush as well. Right. And I think we really need to take a step back and also realize that some of these things are going to take some time. Disruption is going to be constant. Right. But some of these things are just going to take time. And to do it right, you need to take the time and make sure that you have that time to be able to implement it. Take a look at those risks that you were talking about. I talk all the time about where are you going to spend your risk dollars? No longer is it everybody's supply chain is the same everybody's supply chain is very, very different. very different. And where you decide to spend those risk dollars versus where you don't is unique for every single company. That's correct. And there's a lot of different things that go into those discussions and where you see yourselves, you know, in four to five years and what you want your su supply chains to look like to be able to um, back that up. And so in your role, you know, you have a really central focus on helping companies build resilient, agile and sustainable supply chains, which, you know, the last few years have shown us to be absolutely vital. I talk about su sustainability all the time. So in 2023, with more, you know, disruption ahead, unknown challenges. How are you approaching that? What should businesses be thinking about when it comes to agility and sustainability? Because remember, you know, we just talked about digital transformation. That's a heavy lift. We're now talking about sustainability. That's a heavy lift. And sometimes as a supply chain professional, as we're that car's going and we're changing those tires, you know, it's it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, but you really, you have to do both because sustainability, it's not just, first of all, we all know it's the right thing to do it's yeah. for, as a global citizen. But what else is, it's the law. If you want the best people, they, they want to work for sustainable companies. If you want customers, they want to buy from sustainable. So it makes good business sense for all sorts of reasons. So it's real. And the other thing is, it has to be incorporated into all aspects of your company. And it can be. And it can be economically um, feasible to do that. And the way we approach it is there's a couple of things you can do. It's, it's first of all, from a supply chain perspective, which controls about over 70% of the carbon footprint sits in the supply chain control, you have to pay attention to how do I design my products? Am I using sustainable materials to build them? So that's a key area where you're sourcing your products from. The other thing is, am I manufacturing them in a sustainable way? Do I have good manufacturing practices 
that are sustainable? Is the material reusable? Am I packaging it in a reusable way? And then when it comes to distribution, so across the entire supply chain, there are ways where you can build sustainability into your products and into your processes. And then the other thing is you need to measure it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we do have is ways of measuring it and the dashboard to, to measure your sustainability, your carbon footprint. And some companies are going as far as Microsoft to measure executives on their reduction of carbon footprint. And of course, in countries, especially in the EU, it's becoming a huge thing regarding what you need to do in reducing your carbon footprint. So it's got to be a part of everybody's corporate mission to do that. And from a supply chain perspective, and then add to that what you said regarding the, the risk resilient, that can be built into the same process as well that you that you do that as well. So you, you, you need to do both. You need to both. do both. Yeah, both at the same time. Let's think about both at the same time, which is which which is really huge, right? Because a lot of times we think about them separately. And I like the fact that we're talking about looking at them at the same time and going back to what you said about looking at the whole chain, right? If you're going to look at the whole chain once, you don't want to do it twice. So let's think about everything that needs to go into what we're looking at within our complete supply chain. That's so. Right. Let's talk about your experience um, in the industry as a woman, because you've worked for 30 years in a male-dominated industry. And, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 plus years. And so I know what it looked like when I first got into the industry. How has it changed over the course of your career? You know, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with this. I mean, it has changed, but not to the extent that I thought it would have by the time mm. my daughter was came into the industry. I, I thought we'd be a lot further ahead than we are. So it has changed somewhat in the recognition of it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, anybody my age has, also, has always had a, a Me Too experience without, without question in the earlier. But so the recognition, the respect, the political correctness has changed. What has not changed as much as I would have thought is the actual number <laughs> of women. It's still in certain pockets. It's, it's not anywhere near what it should be. But it is now, I think, readily changing. Okay, So I don't think over the past 30 years we made the leaps I think we should have or could have. But I think now we're going to exponentially because now it's people like you and me are saying, okay, we, if we don't make this happen, it is not going to happen. And it starts in university and recruiting them early and mentoring and coaching, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. And so areas, it's really, really bad. I think manufacturing is bad. I think logistics, it's very bad, right? When I look around the room of 50 people, and I'm one of two women, it's shame on all of us, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think the recognition now, and what's so exciting is now all of a sudden, I am able to recruit because it's self-fulfilling. Now I have to go out and recruit people and there's an amount of talent out there. So now we look instead of experience, which it always had to be, oh, you have to be a supply chain expert. Now it's like characteristics. Yes. Traits. And a lot of times you're in finance, you find finance a little boring. Come on in. We'll, we'll bring you <laughs> in the supply chain. It's a whole lot fun, right? Than being a bean counter, right? Yeah. In my opinion. So now we're looking for traits, characteristics, and the other thing is what we try to position is if you look at where they're getting CEOs from, right? Supply chain people are now have a seat at the table. Senior yeah. 
levels of organizations because they're making critical decisions for businesses and that gives them huge visibility. So it's great for the career path if you have aspirations to be in the in the in the C-suite. Supply chain is a great background to have because of the visibility you have across the industry. So so that's where I think with efforts like with your podcast, with what I'm doing with women in supply chain, with recruiting, and now a lot of universities are mm-hmm. creating programs. We're going to get more women into the field. And then the question is, we need to keep them in the field. Yeah. Right? Which is another whole is how do we keep middle managers and senior women in the field? Because there's another whole area where we tend to lose some women, which is a different issue than recruiting them. Yeah, yeah, and I think that goes into my point around um, opportunities. It's not just a, necessarily about a career path, career journey, or career opportunities. It's about what are the opportunities for us to be able to have those women, have those diverse voices at industry conferences to learn, to network. Um, too many times I think we go to some of these conferences and I'd like to see more diversity, not only on the stages, but also in the audiences as well. And so I think that's a really important component too, because if you're going to a conference and you're not seeing somebody that you resonate with on stage or in the audience, it's very disconcerting. It's there. So I did a couple of things. So there's a big, I'm sure you're aware of the Council of Logistics Management Organization. Mm-hmm. What they always would have is a women's breakfast before the conference started, like the day before. And I said, seriously, please, could you not make it front and center? You make women come in the day before to have a conference and they, they, it. they put it during the main conference, kudos to them. And then the trend was don't have women up there just talking about women. Have women talk about the topic. Now, they happen to all be women, but they're talking about a very important topic, whether it's about, you know, your view on trends in logistics, whether whatever. And, and it's a game changer when people see on stage five phenomenal women talking about their field, nailing it, like, like mm-hmm. you know they do, Right. And yep. then I'm like, wow. And then they say, look, that that could be me. It, it sets a great message. And I do really like the fact that so many organizations are recognizing this, embracing this, and it's just helping the whole industry to get really, really um, awesome women in this field. So I do see that. I do see the trend changing. I hope. Yep. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, there's a lot of us doing some really good work here, especially you. You um, established the Woman in Supply Chain Network, which you mentioned before. What made you want to do that? What was your vision? I mean, it's obviously needed because in only a couple of years, it's grown to 500 members. Congratulations for that. And it's been recognized for its impact on the community. So, So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was really for self-preservation because one of the key metrics SAP has for their leaders is they measure your diversity. I had Ooh. like the worst in the company in supply chain. And I'd be like, oh, seriously. Yeah, we have a lot of women in marketing and, and HR. We do. It's a little bit harder in my area, not an excuse, right? So it was out of self-preservation that I said, I got to fix this. And how I have to fix it, I got to fix the pipeline, right? So I created the Women's Supply Chain Network, which is um, SAP employees. It's our partners. It's our customers. It's academia. It's open to anybody. Um, All you need to do is just have an interest in helping and mentoring and coaching other women, 
that is the only ticket to membership and it has been extremely successful. I now have 50% women in leadership um, and I'm up to, you know, still getting better 36 in, in the general. So we're getting better. It was, it was really bad. Right. Mm. So for me personally, it's helped raise mine as well as the opportunity to really talk with senior leaders across the North America supply chain and see what they're doing because they're, they're all struggling with the same thing as well as the young talent that I've got to, to meet and bring in. I, I can't tell you how, how rewarding it's been. I, I just am thrilled um, with the group that we, we have. And so it's been, and it, it got a diversity award um, at SAP um, last year, which I was very Thanks. proud of the team that it got that. Yeah, congratulations on all that work. It's going to take a, a village. It's going to take a community of people to really come together. Um, and that's really been my mantra around women in supply chain is that we all kind of need to get together and not, you know, pull pull people in different directions. And, you know, I think we're really starting to do that and come together, you know, um, through content like this, through networks like yours, through mentorship. Talk to us a little bit about that mentorship because you talk about mentorship, but then I think there's also sponsorship. What is the difference and how is it best to create a mentorship opportunity? Yeah. So mentorship to me is when you have a person that you can go to that will advise, coach, be there for you. And mentors can and should be both internal as well as external. Yes. They can be family, right? All sorts of mentors. And they help guide your career and their sounding boards. But what I caution people, never confuse a mentor with a sponsor. Now, a sponsor is that person that's actually going to take you to the next level. They're mm. going to put their career and say, I recommend Sarah for this very important job, because she does this, she has this, she has hmm. that, I would hire her, you should hire her, and they really take you to the next job. Mentors don't typically do that. They're behind the scenes. And sometimes people get confused when they're not getting that next job because they didn't develop sponsors. And that's the big difference for me. Sponsors are putting their career on the line for you. And so that means they have to know you, trust you, believe in you, right, in order to do that. And that, when you're forming them, it can't be the dating game. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to match you up with, that, right. that, that doesn't, it's because there's chemistry and there's trust mm-hmm. and that you have to build, right? So you, you do need to seek them out, but you do need to build them. And the other thing is what I think sometimes, especially early talent doesn't realize the more senior the person, the more likely they are to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. People say, oh, they're too busy. It's like, no, they realize the importance of this. Right. So than even middle managers, senior executives know this is important. This is part of my job. Somebody help me. I'm going to help somebody. So do not be nervous about contacting a senior level person to help work with you. Now you have to, they're not going to sponsor you until you have that trust and experience, but they will help you. They will help Mm -hmm. you. Well, thank you so much for explaining the two. I mean, for me, I didn't even really know the difference. I get asked to mentor all the time. One thing that I will say about it is um, a lot of times I'll give them a task Mm. because it's a two way street. 
I think a lot of times we really have to think about the time that we're going to put in, the time that they're going to put in, um, the effort that we're going to put in and the effort that they're going to put in. Because it's not just about going to somebody and saying, hey, can you be my mentor? (laughs) You have to really figure out or tell them why they're the right fit, what you want to learn from them. And a lot of times for me, in order to make sure that they're going to put in the effort, I will give them that task. And if they don't come back to me, that's right. Could agree with you more on that. Could not agree with you more on that. Right. So I think, you know, when we talk about these things, it's also really important to talk about what it's like from our perspective is that we really want to mentor. We want to mentor. We want to be able to pass on, you know, our knowledge and what we're doing. But it has to be a two way street. And I think a lot of people miss that mark too many times. And I just wanted to put that out there. You are so right, Sarah. You are so right. Yes. Yes. So talk to me. Why should young women get into supply chain? I mean, I spoke to Grace Sharkey a few months ago. And she said she really believes that women are built for supply chain. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I saw that. And 100%, in fact, there was a study done by POMS, the Production Operation Management Society, and it was published in Forbes in late October timeframe, that actually said statistically, women are, are better suited for supply chain. <laughs> and it had to do with empathy. Multitasking? Multi- well, yeah, it, it was their ability to, to be very customer-centric take a broader position, right, in looking at and and making win-wins. And they were typically, you know, statistically better at that. So it was positioning that why women, you know, are well-suited for supply chain. They they are. It's a team sport, right? Um, And they're very good at the whole empathy, seeing somebody other's point of view and and making good good partnerships and such. So that kind of solidified what, what I already thought. But the reason I think it's so exciting for women is on a couple fronts. First of all, it's a, it's a fast growing industry with a lot of visibility in it. So, and, and a need for talent. So if you're good, you should be able to have a fairly quick rise because of the need for good people at senior levels. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you will be at, at senior levels. The other areas is, is, is it's quite fascinating, right. And the impact that you're having on your company, on society is 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 quite huge, right? Um, and it's it's just it's just fun. I love supply chain people, right? Because they're usually fast thinking, bright, right? They get it. Um, so I just think it's just a great career. It's growing right now. It's in the right spot of a company um, in managing it. So that's why. And there's all if you're early on, there's all sorts of now training that's available, yep. openings available for. Or supply chain and that if, we didn't have that's right and if you're a woman <laughs> you know this is the good part about being when you're only the only woman in 50 people in a room and you're good and you know what you're talking about who do you think they're going to remember mm-hmm. 49 dudes no if you're good and you stand out and when you speak you know what you're talking about they're going to remember you people remember me so much more than ever they'll ask oh i was in that meeting you were at it's like oh really there were 100 people there okay <laughs> <laughs> but you can use it to your advantage, right? So yeah. right now we can still use that to our advantage because we're we're unfortunately in the minority, but you know, hey, use that, right? Use it while you can. And remember names, going right down names. There you go. There you go. <laughs> names to faces, people. So finally then, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? Well, I would say first of all, um, 
you got to follow in your own footsteps. And it's, it's all about, to me, is, is making sure you understand who you are, what your superpower is, leveraging that, and getting people to do things that you're not good at. So that's my always thing is you've got to be passionate about it. And it's got to be something that that use it. If you do decide this is in your area, what I would always recommend that 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 folks do is is really um, make sure you really understand it. You know, I always believed wanted to work harder than everybody, know everything more. I always want to make sure I know as much as I can. I'm as prepared as I can for every meeting, every customer interaction, even when I go to a training course. So that's what I recommend people. First of all, make sure you're passionate about it. Make sure it's something that you have um, a capability at and then just work harder and smarter than anybody else. And then be mentored by some awesome women to help you and others in the career to help you know, you on this journey is what I would recommend. Such amazing advice and get to know your superpowers, people. We want to know more about what those superpowers are. And so get those ready as you join us in supply chain. I'm so sad to have to draw the interview to a close. There were so many things I wanted to chat to you about, but what you've shared today has been incredible. I mean, I really hope lots of young women listen to this and pay attention because not only did you share some great practical advice, but it's really inspirational to see a woman who's faced being the only woman in the room and persisted, who's faced challenges and figured out how to tackle them, and who has ultimately achieved a hugely successful and long-standing career. It's hard work, but it can be done, and it's really going to be worth it. So thank you so much for sharing with us today and being part of the conversation, Darcy. Thank you so much, Sarah. Keep doing what you're doing. It's absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. We also, if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show and we do a deep dive for you talking about who they are, what they do, how they can help you and whether you're their ideal client. Go to letstalksupplychain.com, use the search bar, punch in your keyword and all of that content will come up.
And remember to come back next week where I'll be joined by Shannon Hamilton of BlackBerry Radar. BlackBerry Radar is an intelligent, secure, and user-friendly asset tracking and monitoring solution. And Shannon is going to tell us all about the brand and what they do. We're going to be diving into how BlackBerry are pioneering the future of hyper-connectivity and making the complex simple and how their clients can leverage real-time insights to deliver better and faster customer service. I'm really excited for this one. So make sure you tune in for what promises to be a fantastic episode. And if you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also follow us on TikTok. Subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you do not miss any of our upcoming episodes plus any of our live shows. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.